Hello everyone and welcome back to Where is the Music podcast. Today's talk is about a magnificent, unique composition called Fratres by the Estonian composer Arvo Part. And the reason why I picked this particular one is uh, because it uh, matches exactly the goals of this podcast, which ultimately for me are trying to articulate the content and the value of uh, beautiful musical artworks um, in a way that allow us to appreciate uh, music better, that allow us to expand our musical consciousness, not necessarily through historical theoretical knowledge, but uh, possibly through uh, the development of our ear sensitivity. Uh, so, as usual, I will uh, uh, talk and play about uh, the music of uh, choice and uh, hopefully I'll be able to inspire your curiosity and uh, offer some uh, um, alternative uh, interpretative keys to the appreciation of the music at hand. Um, so, the piece of today, as I was saying, is called... Uh, Fratres by the Estonian composer Arvo Part, who now is in, uh, I think, his late 80s. Um, the work itself was composed uh, in uh, originally 1977, which means that is uh, more than 40 years old. Since then, it has been featured in uh, movies and uh, documentaries. This speaks to um, uh, one of those very few contemporary art compositions that we can call uh, successful uh, within the public sphere. Um, in the last 100 years um, we could witness uh, some sort of uh, detachment uh, between uh, what the contemporary composer will create and uh, what uh, the public uh, will enjoy listening to. Uh, this is obviously for a for a variety of reasons have to do with uh, with culture and um, and history that we're not gonna uh, be able to expand on today maybe it would be interesting to do it in a separate uh, podcast having said that um, one of the possible uh, quick uh, explanation would be uh, the rise of uh, intellectualism in art composers in general they have uh, in the last 100 years developed uh, a role figure of uh, the artist uh, slash intellectual creating therefore a wider gap uh, with uh, what their audiences would uh, um, enjoy listening to. There have been since very few examples in which um, they were able to connect um, genuinely with um, their audiences and um, the piece that uh, I'm talking about today is one of these examples. So the first thing that we notice about uh, Fratres is that the composers have not specified for which instrument is being written for. Isn't that odd? A composition without an instrument. Well, what does this mean? We will possibly be able to answer this question uh, 
towards the end of the podcast. Um, but first we can say, as this happened before in the history of music, that uh, compositions were written uh, without a, a specific instrument that the composer has set them to be played on. Well, the most famous example is certainly The Art of Fugue by Johann Sebastian Bach, which um, uh, you can literally play on a, on a keyboard, on a harpsichord, on a piano, on an organ, but you, you can also play on a, uh, in an orchestra. You can also have it set for uh, string quartet or even um, uh, singers, a uh, choir. Now, the question obviously is, uh, is the same that we have for Fratres. Why would a composer uh, do that, set uh, music uh, on a score without telling what instruments he wants that music to be played on? Um, but you see how uh, the creation of music that um, is meaningful on the score and not necessarily when played, which is uh, a precondition of all music, uh, at least uh, so far, um, the precondition of being appreciated and understood for music is to be listened to. Well, uh, music that is not supposed to be played with this or that instrument, that uh, uh, suggests that uh, uh, the appreciation or, or the understanding on the part of uh, the audience is not amongst the priorities of the composers. This feeds into this um, gap that I was talking earlier about between um, the composer intellectual attitude and the audience's uh, uh, expectations. So with this in mind, it is even more remarkable that uh, uh, this composition uh, has entered the repertoire of uh, classical concerts uh, has been uh, widely acknowledged from by the public as a, a masterwork of contemporary art as a matter of fact uh, this composition has been um, set later for all type of ensembles for uh, piano solo for piano and violin for string quartet for uh, orchestra etc this might suggest us that the beauty of this music is uh, not to be found in a rendition or another in its uh, piano version or string quartet version but it might be found in what is beyond sound itself um, which uh, might already uh, be a good uh, reflection on uh, what is music or <laughs> perhaps where is music uh, so without further ado let's uh, let's dive in into the composition itself um, the form of the piece is a theme and variation and uh, if you're not familiar with this form it's a very traditional way of setting uh, compositions which is uh, a theme uh, is usually chosen by a composer uh, as a perhaps a existing melody uh, with a, a already set harmony or something that he or she creates for the occasion uh, once that melody is finished the composition proceeds with a, 
variations on the theme. Uh, a good set of variation is uh, one that uh, allow us to uh, always be in touch with the original material of the theme, but somehow always tell us something uh, new and diverse and interesting. Now, for this composition itself, the theme sounds like this. So you hear already how original and uh, really <laughs> remarkably unique this music sounds like. Um, there is something deeply mysterious, uh, daunting and uh, fascinating. It seems that we can't wait to know what's going to happen with this. Now, I did a mention on important piece of information which is that the theme that you just heard is not placed at the very beginning of the composition which is a bit weird because um, uh, usually variations follow the theme isn't that logical this uh, is a bit of an oddity another one there is a sense in which uh, the composer is uh, playing a little bit with our expectations is pushing and pulling uh, us into a game of uh, mirrors where things uh, bounce each other and they're not uh, too straightforward and this uh, might be another element um, that we can bring later on when we will be talking about the uh, deep meanings of uh, this uh, composition now the opening uh, of the piece sounds uh, more or less like this second section or the second variation turns out to be actually the theme so already we are uh, confronted with a, a conundrum what is the theme <laughs> now 
uh, instead of getting in this direction let's uh, leave this for a moment on the side and talk about uh, the nature of this music there is a wave nature a kind of a circular motion uh, to this melody think of uh, this it does seem to be portraying the contour of a of a circle or a curve that uh, goes down and comes back uh, it expands you see it reaches lower and comes comes back from higher the third time reaches even lower from even higher in this way this melody is able to cover the entire range of the scale there are seven notes here being played out from here with their uh, with their shadow counterpart a full scale what happens to the theme when he reaches this point the composer starts again this time inverting the direction what uh, was going down now is going up and vice versa so the melody goes of inverting the trajectory of a melody is not a new invention obviously it's been it's been around for centuries but in this context inverting a circle does give you another circle there is a sort of uh, balancing nature of uh, this melody the other element that uh, brings balance to this is the reference to the ground sound which is this A, so-called drone. This is uh, something that stays here throughout. And every circle that we hear is in relationship to this. A and its harmony becomes uh, a vibration, a still vibration on which we are going to uh, perceive every variation, every note as uh, emerging from this variation. Each other harmony, for example, something like uh, this or like this, they're all they all behave as uh, waves they're going away and coming back 
it's a very simple trajectory a little bit out and back in line but uh, it's extremely intuitive and you'll see already how harmony in this case even when reach reaching very dissonant chords such as um, still manages to be part of the grander design okay. so this uh, oscillatory trajectory that already applies to the melody per se but also the harmony one of the reasons why I find this music really fascinating is so far seems already a reflection on the nature of sound itself there is a geometry involved but also it seems to be a merge of uh, physics and geometry so far it seems that uh, what uh, what we're in front of is a visualization of uh, the vibration think of the first opening it does seem like a, a natural vibration that is picked up by a modern instrument we can see the uh, oscilloscope uh, drawing this uh, curve up and down as the vibration move the frequency of these notes move but uh, uh, the rhythm of it is uh, exactly the same as this. So it uh, doesn't seem there is any uh, rhythmical development uh, or uh, change really in drama. There is a stillness to it and this stillness is either filled with every possible small little variations such as here or by actual stillness we're gonna come back to this later on so it seems that the composer here is engaged in the in a musical representation of the physics of sound uh, the composer's perspective seems to be zooming in sound what we think of uh, a still sound like still linear horizontal sound is actually made of curves up and down we can hear them if you just listen if you just pay attention to it each variation is also preceded by a strong gesture sounds like this this gesture is uh, enigmatic no doubt but can also be seen as the as a starting energy that uh, sound requires in order to resonate 
imagine pressing a key of the piano you are actually imposing onto the key a particular amount of energy and that energy will create the attack of the sound and uh, the sound then will be resonating throughout the, uh, the space around the instrument and uh, as a result you have a variety of waves and echoes that uh, create what we called um, the acoustic effect and this is uh, metaphorically written out into a score you have this uh, attack of sound So this gesture does sound like striking a key on the piano and the melodic enigmatic thing that comes afterward acts like a gentle echo of that burst of energy. Each variation therefore becomes like a, an allegoric representation of how sound is produced in nature. There is an initial burst of energy that uh, reverberates into space through waves that have uh, circular trajectories filling the space acoustically so let's go back for a moment to the initial question we had which was uh, why is the opening already a variation remember the the peaceful slow melodic thing that i played you occurs as the second section the first was that exuberant, uh, very fast uh, vibration. So why is the opening a variation? To answer the question, we need to hear the whole journey. And I'm gonna, not going to play the whole piece right now, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to play you the piano part, the beginning of each variation. And you think whether you hear something happening. This is variation number two, the beginning. This is number three. So you can hear how the melody slowly descends, uh, goes down. But wait a minute, didn't we say that this is a metaphor or how sound is produced? Well, the descent metaphorically equals decay. The sounds 
once uh, he started naturally decays vibrations which is uh, the nature of the ways tends naturally to dissipate like energy does into uh, entropy so the journey between uh, variation number two and variation number nine is uh, a journey from order to chaos this is this is about to be completely dissipated into space again we haven't taken into account the first variation so going from variation number one to variation number two is actually the inverse journey from chaos to order see what I mean by uh, chaos turning into order and once again we have another dimension in which the circularity of events is represented what is in the end corresponds what is in the beginning and uh, it is up to us to link the two to see the identity between the two this entrance of the theme sounds like a collapse of the chaotic energy displayed in the first variation there is once again this sense that uh, chaos brings energy forward that uh, takes some orderly form and that is the acoustic wave but then it dissipates again into energy the theme of circular trajectory is uh, a musical metaphor that uh, seems to be informing the composition at uh, all levels. At first it just informs the melodic trajectory of the theme, it goes up and down like a wave, uh, it widens and it inverts itself like an acoustic wave does. Uh, the theme itself fills the whole scale it fills the whole scale then if we look at the violin wave like figurations like this ones fast very fast uh, uh, circulations but also later on we have for example in, in the third variation we have figures such as this
nodes a new figures is uh, created and each figure is the inversion of the previous one this one the first one goes first down and then goes up the next one does the opposite first goes up and then go down then down and up and then up and down seems like an intellectual game here but the result here is either perfect balance and the sense that things are undulating uh, oscillating in a, a natural free way versions of this figure so this one for example again it's the same undulatory motion oscillating motion I would call it has different uh, paces is sometimes it's faster sometimes it's slower but nevertheless they're all coming from the same exact uh, thematic origin and um, rhythmically happens something similar uh, the tempo doesn't change throughout the piece we hear how the same uh, recurring sound is sometimes filled with as many notes as possible like in this case other times there are no notes so between these two extremes sometimes you have two notes three sometimes four sometimes more uh, back and forth between fast and slow once again the effect is of contracting and expanding wave of energy and the theme of the waves is is with us again the whole composition develops around a single note this a drone called it stays there throughout it does provide a stable reference with which we can hear circles in a more evident way for example in these variations over here of the wave the various uh, contours of the waves like uh, very fast very slow all in relationship to this 
that's what uh, a musical drone sounds like the effect is more of uh, like a slow rotating background rather than a forefront uh, melody like a melody in the foreground it's uh, sounds like a, a background a rotating background that offers uh, ever-changing combinations of uh, harmonics and colors uh, the comparison here is with the uh, uh, rotating kaleidoscope that creates different uh, colors and harmonies uh, at every move but once again this effect is in the background um, while we used to think as of melodies as being more in the foreground there isn't really a melodic foreground here everything happens somewhere around us at the same uh, at different levels of depth but uh, there isn't something that is really prominent so as I mentioned there is an overall descending trajectory of the variation the theme in the end this one is made of uh, the exact same notes as the beginning this one just uh, at a different register so composer here is pointing at uh, the identity between extremes he's been once interviewed and he was talking about the technique that he used for composing and this is technique here. i don't want to um, uh, go into the details of it but uh, it's called uh, tintin naboli and um, he was talking about uh, this technique and uh, he said something that uh, i find i'm gonna steal to uh, make my case uh, Tintinaboli is the rule where the melody and the accompaniment is one one and one it is one it is not two this is the secret of this technique so in music when we add one thing to another in this particular case a melody to the accompaniment the result is not two the result is one and this is probably this identity of uh, end and beginning uh, of uh, very high and very low they are two faces of the same thing and the last dimension in which i think the composer is employing the theme of circular trajectory in the composition is by using um, a lot of repetition and uh, echo effects the discourse seems to be made of uh, ideas and material that mirror and bounce on on itself and uh, this is very much in line with the idea and principle of uh, artistic minimalism which is in the end musical material that is minimal in quantity uh, that doesn't go through a lot of transformation and uh, should uh, encourage the um, attention of the listener to uh, engage into sound itself a classical romantic approach to composition which is uh, let's have the music 
be dictated by the personality or the intention of the composer. In this way, in particular throughout this piece, we realize that repetition is, uh, is not very much different from the idea, new age Zen idea, that we will never be able to walk in the same river twice, because of course the water has changed since uh, the last time we were there, but also because we have changed since the last time we were there. And repetition in music does have a similar outcome. We can't really uh, hear uh, the same thing twice. By its own nature, it will be different. So this leads us to the uh, deep meaning of this piece. There is a, a series of uh, uh, reflections that uh, the composer is inviting us to uh, to make with the piece Fratres. The piece acts as a metaphor. The composer is uh, somehow describing sound the way he perceives it and sees it. And he's using geometry, but he's also using uh, the physics of sound. He's using the visualization of uh, how sounds behaves if we th think of it as a frequency. He translates into a musical score what we can see, hear and feel when we zoom in into the nature of sound itself. Remember this uh, idea that everything can be um, interpreted as an allegory for a wave? an expanding on oscillatory wave. The musical material, the themes, the chords, all the notes, even the form itself, is in the end derived from sound itself. It doesn't come out of the composer's personality or idea. In a sense, he is a witness to the unfolding of it as much as the listener is. There isn't like a strong theme that carries through the energy of the of the composition and that there are that the variations do not uh, modify this dimension we're just witnessing and it seems like arvo part is witnessing that along with us then let's continue the rhythmic circularity which uh, i was talking about earlier makes us ponder on this idea of vibration. There is an identical nature between a single note, which is made of many vibrations, like uh, an A, uh, th this one is 440 hertz, which means 430 little vibra vibration in a second. So there is an identity in nature between this and a lot of notes played very fast, like this, resulting in one unique sound, one effect. And once again, he creates this identity, allowing us to ponder about the distinction between the two. The same identity is played out in terms of pitch and register. The high notes 
will eventually meet the low ones and as the metaphor of a wave suggests this informs the piece in many ways for example in variation 6 you have a constant reference between uh, uh, low and high that sounds like this so it does sound the black and the white the the sound that it's a shadow the good and the evil um, and once again there is a back and forth is a is a constant um, circular motion from one to the other high notes meet the low and uh, the low will become uh, the high again so this metaphor uh, that we've seen played out in different ways is eventually is a an invitation for appreciation it seems to be saying look at what happens within sound the composer shapes the score using similar strategies at all different levels circularity repetition and identity of extremes so despite the strict inner logic that would suggest a intellectual type of music the piece is very emotional and dramatic perhaps we can say that the contrast between uh, different sections is uh, striking and emotional maybe this will explain part of its success throughout the decades but as before the composer is not privileging the emotional over the intellectual he rather moves from one to the other confident that uh, by the end there will be no distinction between the two it's eventually a reflection on the nature of music itself sound seems to be saying is fundamental but music is emergent what does that mean music emerges as we relate to sound without us it is just a physics phenomenon uh, which might be the reason why he initially didn't want uh, instrumentation for it is it you remember the first thing we said today was that the piece that did not have piece does not have a specific instrumentation it's not written for piano or for orchestra it's not written for anything probably that's because it he knows and he wants it to be just a a physics phenomenon we are the ones that through our ears that through our instruments through our attention are turning this allegory into music into meaning into beauty it is us who identify something as a melody and decides to follow it but the melody is already there within sound if we are able to hear it so the metaphor he offers is an opportunity to explain how it works it's there we need to pay attention and grasp it i'm gonna now perform 
a couple of uh, variations from uh, Fratres. Thank you all for listening. I hope uh, this was a, a good invitation to listen to the whole piece of music and uh, look for some meaning surrounding it. It certainly has been uh, uh, very interesting for me to learn about it and discover and uh, playing it now has a much deeper significance to me. Uh, look forward to our next uh, episode. Bye everyone.